This week's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind, with the permission of the Worcester News. Anyone who is unable to read a newspaper is included. We are recording on Thursday, April the 21st, 2022, the Queen's birthday. I'm Elizabeth Hill, and this week's team comprises Alex Gwynn, who's engineering for us, and round the table with me is Kate Hudman, Janet Goodwin and Sue Perry. Admin has been done by Carol Hartle and her team. And music is by Sheila Joins. And the thought for the week has been put together by Keir Aldis. May I extend a very warm welcome to any new listeners. Uh, the uh, recording is available on the memory sticks posted out to you each week. Uh, can be heard online normally as a podcast, but I think there's a little hiccup there at the moment, uh, or via one of those new listening devices. We hope you enjoy our offering, which we hope will inform, educate and entertain. The service is quite free to users. We are a registered charity. If, however, you would like to make a donation, it will be very welcome and can be included in your wallet or sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. And I have to thank some recent donations received from Mr and Mrs Priest and the family of Albert Young, who has recently passed away. Um, so um, condolences for the passing of Albert and thank you very much for the donation. Feedback is appreciated, compliments or complaints. <laughs> Put a note in your wallet or leave a message on the answer phone 01905 In addition to the weekly recordings, which began in 1978, we have an extensive library of talking books. So if you are interested, let us know what your choice is and that can be sent in a separate wallet. Every couple of months, we also produce a magazine containing a variety of subject matter. If you would like to receive this also, please ring and leave a message 01905 76 or put a note in your wallet. Please be aware that we are not here all of the time, um, so don't be afraid to leave um, messages. Um, so, um, the running order this week will be, uh, we'll have useful telephone numbers, um, the Watsons in the local theatres, and I do realise, we do realise not everybody can get out and about, um, but it's kind of part of the, the notices bit really, um, and is all together, makes it all together really as a package. Um, if you don't want to listen to anything on the recording, you can just switch it on and skip it. You can actually skip it. Um, if you're not quite sure how, then ask someone around if they can just show you how to how to do that. Um, because there are articles that sometimes you don't want to listen to, um, and that's fair enough. Um, we'll open the birthday book. Make sure we have yours. 
We'll have the headlines from the past week with sunrise and sunset times. And after the headline stories, we'll have the items from the past week. Um, And the thought for the week will uh, be at the very end, just before the final music, and obituaries will follow the music at the end. So, I'm now going to ask Sue if she'd be kind enough to give us the telephone numbers, please. Thank you. So, the the phone number for Worcester Talking News is 01905 767 766. For Worcester Hub, it is 01905 765 765. Worcester County Council, here to help, is 01905 768053, option 3. Unwanted telephone calls, BT, is 1572 and follow the directions. Crime Stoppers to report crime anonymously is 0800555 and 111. Community Risk Team for Fire is 0800-032-1155. The Domestic Abuse Headline is 0800-980-3331. NHS Direct is 111. Out of Hours GP's service is 6.30pm till 8 noon. I'm sorry, it must be 8pm, 6.30 till 8pm, is 111 for redirecting. Worcester Line, um, Swan Theatre and Huntingdon Hall is 01905611427. Malvern Festival Theatre is 01684892277. The Norbury Theatre in Droitwich is 01905 770157. Walking for Health, led by Lynn Yendel, is 01905 766155. And Sense Adventures, 01684 891796 or 07920. One double four six one four, and Kate Aldis, um, who does the um, quote of the day from from the Bible, is three five zero nine five three, and that's a Worcester number. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to ask Kate now if she'll tell us what's on in the local theatres. And as I say, if you do want to skip it, just do so, please. Good evening. Um, right, uh, it, we'll start with Worcester. <coughs> Worcester Theatres, which comprises the Swan Theatre, Huntingdon Hall, Vesta Tilly Studio and Henry Sandensville Hall. Um, we have, uh, well, you have to be quick off the mark, but um, on Saturday, uh, Bob, the Bob Dylan story, which um, if you like Bob Dylan, then it really is well worth seeing at 7.30 at Huntingdon Hall. Uh, followed on Sunday at Huntington Hall again, Gig Spanner Big Band. Again, another very good, if you like folk music and good musicianship, again, that's very good indeed. That's at 7.30. Then um, 
uh, at the Swan Theatre and that starts on the 26th of April until the 30th at 7.30 is Kips, the new half a, half a sixpence musical. Let's get out in a minute, sorry. Uh, so if you remember Half a Sixpence with um, uh, Tommy Steele in it, it's uh, uh, a musical, this one. So we very good singing and, uh, and there's dancing and lots of lively entertainment and fun and uh, jokes and things. So that's be quite good. Um, that is, uh, as I said, it's uh, the 26th to the 30th. And there are matinees as well. There's a matinee on the Saturday at 2.30, otherwise 7.30. Um, and then um, premiere in, in Worcester, My Dearest Mr Coward. And this is um, Words, Wit and Songs of Noel Coward with a cast of West End performers. Now, that's on the 4th to the 8th of May. And um, that um, starts at, um, oh, do you know, it doesn't say what time it starts, but I would imagine it would be 7.30. Um, and uh, that sounds really, really good. It's got a lot of uh, good write-ups in, in the local press and has been talked about on the radio too. Um, then there's still at the Swan Theatre. We have Let the Music Play, which is a tribute to Barry White. So um, a man... Uh, William Hicks, who has got a very strong voice, very much like Barry White, is singing on the 1st of May at 7.30. Then The Great Caruso, also at the Swan Theatre on the 4th of May. Uh, English Symphony Orchestra and Mark Milhoffen present The Great Caruso. So that would be quite something, I would think. Um, sounds very much like Mario Lanza, apparently. So I think you'd enjoy that. Um, back to pop and we have the American Four Top Show which is on the 6th of May at the Swan Theatre at 7.30 um, so again that's uh, another one that um, might well attract uh, and then Euphoria is on the 5th of May at the Swan um, and this is a performance for Abba, Ceylon Dion, Giulio Anglesi and Olivia Newton-John as well as Britain's Bucks, Fizz, Bonnie, Tyler, Cliff Richard and more. So uh, just about everybody, every type of song that you could possibly want in the more lively uh, genre. So so I think that might be something that uh, would brighten the, your, your evening. Um, then we have Dark Side of the Wall at the Swan Theatre again on the 7th of May. Um, and this is um, Pink Floyd um, and uh, tribute band and eight piece band. And uh, they are very, very good indeed. Uh, then the ultimate classic rock show is on the 8th of May. So we've got a lot of lively stuff coming up. Um, so hopefully that uh, might be entertaining to you. Um, a bit further along in um, in May, on the 13th of May, the Celine Dion songbook. That might be something perhaps that's a little bit gentler, uh, but uh, would be wonderfully uh, beautiful singing, I think, there. So um, good luck uh, with, th with that. Now over to Malvern Theatre. <clears throat> now, quick off the mark for tomorrow evening, Sandy Toxvic, you who you may have heard and uh, uh, and laughed at a lot on ra on TV, radio, and so on. She is um, doing a, a talk at Malvern Theatre tomorrow evening, and uh, that starts at seven forty-five. Then there's a Harold Pinter play uh, on starting on Sunday, no Saturday, I'm sorry, um, and that's the Homecoming. Um, and a good cast there, uh, equally um, good if it's Harold Pinter, you don't usually go wrong with something like that. Um, and then uh, on uh, May the 3rd to the 7th of uh, May uh, at Malvern again um, at 730 
Beautiful, the Carol King musical. Um, this was uh, this obviously from the West End and apparently was just brilliant. She had a very good voice indeed, and some of you may remember her very well. Um, things like uh, "Take Good Care of My Baby," "You've Got a Friend So Far Away," um, that those sorts of things might bring back memories for you. Um, then we have uh, the English Symphony Orchestra. This is at Malvern Theatre. English Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Kenneth Woods with Peter Donoghue on piano. Um, and that's going to be uh, Helios Overture and Grieg's Piano Concerto in A and Sibelius Symphony Number no. 6. Now, that's the 23rd of April, so you have to be a bit, bit sharp getting tickets for that. Um, but uh, that sounds wonderful. And um, uh, I think probably, uh, you know, if you can get there, you, you'd enjoy that. That's uh, Saturday, this this coming Saturday. Um then the Beatles and Orchestra, that's the Bootleg Beatles, um, and that's on the 24th, on Sunday at 7.45, also at Malvern. Um, what have we got else have we got here? Um, right, oh, Footloose, the musical. This has got Darren Day and Jake Quickenden um, singing a lot through this. Um, this sounds, sounds really lively. Uh, all sorts of music from all, all kinds of uh, genres again. Um, and that is on the 16th to the 21st of May. So probably that's enough, I think, to, to fill you at the moment. Um, so that's Malvern and Worcester. And then <clears throat> at the Norbury Theatre in, in uh, Droitwich, um, there's The Wreckers of Rod Rock, which is a Gilbert and Sullivan Society production. And that is on the 17th and 18th of May. Uh, and that's Worcester Gilbert and Sullivan Society. So that, I think, would be, uh, you know, well worth thinking about. Um, and then uh, the Royal Opera House are doing Swan Lake. Um, that is on the 22nd of May. Then we have Cole Porter and Marvin Hamlish. Uh, and that's a whimsical theatre production. And that's on the uh, 28th of May at half past seven, which uh, I think sounds quite good. That's got quite a good write-up too followed by Legally Blonde, the musical, which is done by the Norbury Players, and that's uh, that's in June, so I think we're going too far ahead now. So I think that, that's probably uh, all we need to tell you tonight. If any of you want any more news about that, um, don't hesitate to ring us or ring the relevant theatres. Thank you very much, Kate. Um, now, who has the birthday list? It's Janet. Please tell us whose birthday is. We've got two birthdays um, for today. Or, um, well, for today's um, programme. Uh, on the 24th is Dorothy Downing and on the 27th is Marjorie Hughes. So happy birthday to both those people. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy have birthday. a lovely day. Thank you. So now the headline stories from the past week and sunrise and sunset times. I'm going to ask Sue if she'll just read us the headline stories, please. Okay, um, the first headline is Attack as Victim Walked Home True Passion Covid Deaths Rise Horror at City Attack Hunt for the Attackers and Toys Stolen in Raid on Nursery And Sunrise is at 8am and Sunset is now 8.17pm Sorry, it was 6am It's probably my writing, apologies 
sunrise, 6am, sorry. Thank you very much. Okay. And I'm going to ask Kate now to read the first of the headline stories. Thank you. This is on this was on Friday evening. A sex attacker faces jail after he assaulted a lone woman walking home in Worcester as the city's top judge spoke of his duty to protect them. Nilton Gonclays had already admitted carrying out the sex attack in Worcester City Centre when he appeared before the Crown Court. However, the 49-year-old of St Nicholas Street, Worcester, could not be sentenced because there was no interpreter in his native tongue, Tatum. Tatum is an official language of East Timor. He has been bailed to an address in Tudor Way, Dines Green, where he must reside and is banned from entering Worcester City Centre as part of his bail. The sexual assault took place on March the 6th. Details of the nature of the assault were not disclosed in court as the case has yet to be formally opened by the Crown. However, the charge states that Gonclaves intentionally touched a woman aged 16 or over and that touching was sexual when she did not consent and you did not reasonably believe that she was consenting. Judge James Burbridge QC told the defendant, Lone women walking home at night must feel safe. It cannot be permitted for courts to overlook that conduct. He added, It is a frightening experience and the court has a duty to protect women walking home at night. I don't know how much you understand of what I'm saying, but probably a fair bit. He said it was appropriate to adjourn because you are at serious risk of immediate custody. The crime you have committed is a very serious one and it has caused a significant impact on the lady who was your victim, he said. Judge Burbridge, speaking to the victim, said he had to he had read her victim personal statement and he added, so I understand how it has affected her and you. Sentencing is now due to take place on May the 6th. A large crowd gathered in the city centre for a dramatic retelling of the crucifixion. The first open-air performance of the Passion Play in the city took place in Cathedral Square. Cathedral Square was a hive of activity long before that as a giant screen, speakers and crowd barriers were set up by organisers. Actors in full costume and already in character including Roman soldiers, Jesus and his followers, could be seen making their way along High Street and towards the square. There were animals involved in the play too, with two soldiers arriving on horseback and a donkey accompanying Jesus. Spectators who arrived early watched a behind-the-scenes video documenting rehearsals and featuring interviews with people involved in bringing the production to Worcester. Rehearsals, which involved members of churches across Worcester, started at the beginning of last year, but the performance was delayed because of the pandemic. Among the more recognisable faces in the cast was the Bishop of Worcester, the Right Reverend John, Dr John Inge, who played a thief crucified alongside Jesus Christ. Before the play, the Bishop had spoken about his excitement at the spectacle coming to Worcester. It is really exciting, he said. Worcester has not seen anything like it before. Quite often we tend to celebrate within our churches, but this production will be taken out to the heart of the city and we expect lots of people to be involved. 
The performance was brought to Worcester by a partnership between the Worcester Passion Play Limited and the Christian Theatre Group Wintershaw. It was one of ten that took place across the UK. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, said, Passion plays have been a feature of the life of our country since the Middle Ages, and for good reason. There is no greater story than that of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And another headline um, was a sharp spike in deaths. There were 18 coronavirus deaths announced at Worcestershire hospitals in the last week as the number of COVID cases has risen. NHS data reveals that there have been 16 reported deaths at the trust sites. Worcestershire Royal Hospital, Kidderminster Hospital and the Alexandra Hospital in Redditch this week with a total reaching 1,031. Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust saw two further deaths, with its total reaching 73. In total, there have been 1. Point, uh, sorry, 1,104 deaths in the county hospitals during the pandemic. The 16 deaths in a week is one of the highest in weeks and is back to the numbers when the Omicron wave first began. NHS data also shows there were 159 COVID patients in Worcestershire hospitals on April the 14th, up from 150 a week ago. The NHS figures show no one was in the ICU bed and fitted with a ventilator. In comparison, on January the 4th, there were 53 people in county hospitals with COVID-19. And on the same date, two years ago, at the start of the pandemic, 122 COVID patients were in Worcestershire hospitals. Public Health England figures show that there were 2,825 cases in the county in the seven days up to April the 9th, a fall of 36.2% on the previous week. The latest vaccination figures up to April the 7th reveal that 87.5% of Worcestershire adults have had a first dose of Covid vaccine, 83.8% have had a second, while 69.7% have had a booster. Previously, Simon Adams, the boss of patient watchdog health, Watch Worcestershire, told us the rise in the number of patients was very concerning. Some of the patients will be there for other reasons, but have tested positive for COVID. But that means they have to be treated as if they are a COVID patient, Mr Adams said. There are things we can do to reduce the pressures while there are very high levels of infection in the community. That is about us using A&E properly and wearing a face covering where appropriate. An eyewitness described their horror seeing an attack which left a man with serious head injuries in Worcester City Centre. The Worcester News heard from the witness, who did not want to be named, after a police investigation started into the incident, which left the man being taken to hospital on Saturday. The eyewitness reported seeing a group of men in a fight. They said, I was walking past when it was all finishing. I saw a group of lads set on one person and then the lad broke away but he tripped and fell. 
I stopped by the Aladdin's cave shop in St Nicholas Street to keep well out of the way. It was so horrible seeing the guy get attacked. I hope the police catch whoever did it and the attackers are punished. The eyewitness also claimed security from the McDonald's branch appeared to have been attacked too. The assault, which happened at around 3am on Saturday morning, involved a group of men near McDonald's at the cross. The incident continued into St Nicholas Street, resulting in a 32-year-old man being taken to hospital with serious head injuries. Five men in their 20s have been arrested on suspicion of violent disorder and GBH and have been bailed with conditions. Following the incident, police have asked anyone who was in the area at the time to get in touch, including any motorists who may have dashcam footage. A West Mercia police spokesperson said, While our investigations continue, we urge anyone who witnessed this incident or any motorists that have dashcam footage to contact us via 101, quoting incident 00093 of um the i of the 16th of april that's sorry that's 00093 and then a space and then the letter i lowercase of the 16th of april alternatively information can be passed to the independent charity crime stoppers by calling 0800 555 111 or via their website a man was taken to hospital after being attacked by two men. Amid rumours of a stabbing, a police helicopter was seen in the skies above Warnden on Monday evening. Armed police were said, also said to have been in the area, according to an eyewitness, at just after 7.40pm. Police confirmed the assault involved two people who physically and verbally assaulted the man. He was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for treatment after the assault, but police could not find the attackers. A West Mercia police spokesperson said police have called were called to Brickfields Road around 7.40pm last night following reports of an assault. The incident involved one man being physically and verbally assaulted by two others, The victim suffered minor injuries during the assault and was taken by ambulance to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for monitoring. Officers attended and a thorough search of the local area was carried out to try to locate the suspects with support from the National Police Air Service. Unfortunately, the search was unsuccessful and investigations are continuing. A spokesperson for West Midlands Ambulance Service said we were called to reports of a patient who had been assaulted near Brickfields Road at 8.12pm. One ambulance and a paramedic officer attended the scene. On arrival, we discovered one patient, a man, who was treated for injuries not believed to be serious before being taken to hospital for further treatment. Residents in Warnden said the aircraft was circling the area for well over an hour. An eyewitness claimed they saw armed police around Chedworth Drive for a time before they moved to a separate location. They said we followed the cops and they were at a flat on Chedworth Road for about 10 minutes outside with guns. The final headline story. 
thieves have targeted a Purdiswell nursery, stealing hundreds of pounds worth of children's toys. The Wishing Well Nurseries site in Bilford Road was broken into at about 7pm on Monday evening. A shed store at the rear of the nursery was targeted and thieves made off with a number of trikes, scooters and footballs. Jennifer Jenkins, director of Wishing Well Nurseries, said a neighbour witnessed a group of youths taking the items. They had access to the shed store in the garden going over the fence. We will need increased security. About £400 worth of items were stolen. The director said the nursery staff wanted to thank people who had rallied behind them already after hearing of the thefts. We have been gifted a few second-hand items, the director said, and also had a kind donation of £100 from Nicole and co estate agents. The news was announced on Wishing Well Nurseries Limited Facebook page, which said, Sadly, we're unlikely to discover the culprits, but if anyone sees any abandoned play equipment in the area, we would be grateful to know. One well-wisher wisher, wrote on the post, What sort of people steal from children? I bet there's a lot of people out there willing to donate or help raise money for new stuff. Other comments were left on the post, including one which said, That is so cruel, depriving little ones. Anyone who can support the nursery can get in touch through the Facebook group, Wishing Well Nurseries Limited, or call the nursery <coughs> on 01905 613401. And anyone with information about the theft can contact police on 101, quoting 22 forward slash 38355 forward slash double two, or Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 treble five treble one. West Mercia Police were contacted for comment. And that concludes the headline stories this week. So we're going to go into the rounds of the news which has popped up this week. Thank you, Kate. Right. Easter egg handout. A popular Droitwich man helped spread some cheer this weekend, handing out Easter eggs to children. John Adams has been battling motor neurone disease for the last five years. To help raise funds for the Motor Neurone Disease Association, the popular town figure, affectionately, affectionately known as Sir John, handed out dozens of Easter eggs to children on Easter Sunday. Setting up outside the Talbot Inn, children queued up to receive their Easter eggs and make a donation to the charity, which helps fundraise into the disease. Joined by his daughter Helen and son John, as well as sister Sheila and best friend Jackie, Mr Adams welcomed everyone using text-to-speech technology. This is because his condition means he cannot eat or speak. Helen said, Dad was diagnosed five years ago and was given from 12 to 18 months to live. After the initial shock, he made a promise to us all, I will never give up, and that he will keep fighting and raising awareness and funds to find a cure. He has been such a fighter, he's known in the MND community as the MND warrior. Mr Adams even received a message of support from former rugby league player Rob Burrow, whose battle with the disease has made the headlines worldwide. In his time raising money from the MND Association, Mr Adams has raised more than £12,000. 
He was initially diagnosed after experiencing slurred speech at a number of falls. His suspicions were raised when friends and family began asking him to repeat himself in conversations. To help support the fundraiser, eggs were donated from people all around the world, from Droitwich itself to as far afield as America and South Africa. The Talbot also did its part, helping set up the display of Easter eggs on the day and serving as a collection point for eggs in the run-up to Easter Sunday. Mr Adams continues to raise money for the MND Association. For more information and to donate, go to justgiving.com stroke fundraising stroke john dot adams 44 a man who died after a charity boxing match in worcester is still raising funds for chat the charity even after his tragic death dominic chapman died after fighting in an ultra white collar boxing event at tramps nightclub Paramedics battled to save the 26-year-old after he collapsed in the ring, but he later died in hospital. Dominic from Droitwich was raising money for Cancer Research UK by taking part in the match and had set up a Just Giving page with a £400 target. At the time of writing, nearly 1,200 had been raised, with dozens of people donating to the cause in his memory. Family and friends leaving donations have also been taking the chance to leave tributes to Dominic, with one saying, heartfelt condolences to Dominic's family at this very sad time. Rest in peace, Dominic, and God bless you and your family. One donation was accompanied by the message, we love you, Domo, and we'll miss you forever. Rest easy, darling. Another said, in memory of an inspirational young man, our thoughts are with you all. You can contribute to Dominic's fundraiser by going to his Just Giving page. Dominic's family and former teachers has also paid touching tributes to a tremendous young man whose death has left his family utterly broken. His mum, Trish Chapman, wrote on the Worcester News Facebook page, This is my son. I cannot believe or accept that in six minutes his life has ended. He was the most beautiful, perfect man. No words. Dominic's brother, Joseph, had said the family was utterly broken to have lost Domo, adding, he was the kindest, friendliest and most decent human being I knew. He lit up the lives of all who were fortunate enough to have met him. Police have said they are not investigating the death at the Angel Place nightclub, but Worcester City Council has confirmed Worcestershire Regulatory Services will be holding an investigation. A council has been forced to repay a parent who was wrongly told for eight years that she should cover the cost of sending her epileptic child to school. I think that should actually read a child who happens to have epilepsy. Worcestershire County Council must reimburse the travel costs for this young lady since 2013 after it made the string of errors. <clears throat> the council was criticised by the local government ombudsman for refusing to fully reimburse the Worcestershire parent known as Mrs T, even after admitting the mistakes. It came after the county council said it would pay travel costs if the young lady was attending it, her 
preferred choice of school, 12 miles from the child's home, but would not pay if the child travelled to a closer but out-of-county school. Mrs T said her preferred option, a special needs school and four miles from her home, would help her manage her child's epilepsy and seizures. The parent argued that she would have to wake her child to get her ready to travel to the council's preferred school, but that doing so, rather than allowing her to rise naturally, caused her to suffer seizures. The ombudsman said the council had agreed in 2013 the parent could send her child to the closest school, but insisted she pay for the school transport. By law, councils have to provide free school transport to those eligible, but the cost can be handed over to parents and carers if their preferred school is further away than the council's choice. The opposite to the case of Mrs T. Mrs T was told by the council she was ineligible for school travel assistance due to her decision to name a different preferred school to the council. She raised concerns on several occasions but kept being referred back to the council's 2013 ruling. It was only when Mrs T started a new job in January 2021 that she discovered the law had been applied incorrectly by the council and it was in fact responsible for paying. Mrs T told the council about the mistake but was again refused assistance. She appealed the decision and won. The council admitted it had made a mistake in 2013 but claimed it was it had only had a record of Mrs T's concerns since 2018 and would only pay from 2021. Mrs T complained again and was told the council would reimburse travel costs from 2018. The Ombudsman said the Council had caused distress, inconvenience, frustration, financial loss and prevented Mrs T from appealing sooner and should pay her £200 compensation. A spokesperson for Worcestershire County Council said, We are sorry for the distress and difficulties that have been caused to the family involved in this situation. We have accepted the recommendations of the investigation and apologise to the family affected by our failings in this particular situation. We are taking actions and learnings from the agreed action plan that was provided to us by the local government ombudsman following their investigation and we will use the learning from this investigation to take appropriate further actions to improve services. Badly behaved dog walkers shouting abuse at contractors are forcing a cricket club to take serious action. Worcester Cricket Club in Norton claims it spends thousands of pounds to maintain its well-tended grass for every cricket season. The grounds are usually open for the public to use throughout the year, but the club has recently had a change of heart after a series of verbally abusive dog walkers. Golfers have also been creating divots in the cricket squares at the bottom of the pitch, which can create thousands of pounds worth of damage. In light of this, the club has decided to secure its site with a six-foot palisade fencing with locked gates across the whole access from Vimira Close. In a Facebook post, the club announced its plans and said... 
Unfortunately, due to the poor behaviour of some dog walkers, whilst our contractors were on site, verbal abuse, and golfers using the cricket square on the bottom pitch and creating divots, following us having spent thousands of pounds preparing each square each season. We will now be looking at six feet palisade fencing with locked gates across the whole of the access. Sorry, but enough is enough. Although many people called this unfair for those who are using the grounds responsibly, one commentator said, agreed, enough is enough. When privilege becomes normal, it doesn't hurt to remind people. Another Facebook user also agreed and said, I totally understand your frustration and why you have come to this decision, but I do feel very sorry for people who may not be able to walk the extra distance to enjoy green space. It will cut off the cricket pitch from the community of Norton, divide it from the barracks when the two sites are so connected historically and increase traffic walkers down the lane, causing more congestion. A former mayor of Worcester has defended unveiling a portrait of himself at Worcester Guildhall. Allah Ditter, who became the city's first Muslim mayor in 2004 and served again in 2019-2020 for the painting to commemorate his time in the historic post. The Conservative councillor then organised a private reception at the Guildhall at which the portrait was unveiled in front of friends and family. This has drawn the ire of Labour's Richard Udall, who said on Twitter, Do people normally fund a portrait of themselves? This is an altogether different kind of self-promotion. I wish to make it clear I never, ever want my portrait made. Save the paint for something useful. It would be totally inappropriate for such a painting to be on public display. It would be seen as a public endorsement of the policies, views and values of an individual councillor. Councillor Ditter laughed and could the, he could, um, laughed off the criticism of the portrait, adding, I take it all with a pinch of salt. I had the opportunity in 2004 to have my portrait done as the first Asian mayor, but didn't do it. I chose to have one done of the whole council instead, he explained. It's a normal thing to happen. There are quite a few portraits of former mayors hanging in the Guild Hall but I wasn't going to burden the city council with paying for it, so I commissioned it and paid for it myself. The portrait was painted by Worcester artist Francesca Curry, a member of the Royal Birmingham Society of Artists in the city council chamber with a view of Worcester Cathedral behind Councillor Ditter. As a portrait artist, I loved painting all the textures, colours and reflections that this portrait held, she said. It's a joy to create a painting filled with historic significance. Councillor Ditter added, This is an appreciation of someone who has served Worcester for 20 years and is a representative of the Asian community. In a hundred years, people will be able to see this history and will judge it for themselves. Two church members from Worcestershire have received Monday money in recognition of their service to church and community. Margaret Burston from St Stephen's Church and John Stanbury from Droitwich Methodist Church are this year's recipients from the Worcestershire Worcester Diocese. They travelled to St George's Chapel in Windsor to receive their money from Prince Charles, who was deputising for the Queen. 
the Bishop of Worcester, the Right Reverend Dr John Inge, was also present at the service in his role as Lord High Almoner. The tradition of presenting arms on Monday Thursday goes back to at least the 4th century and the first record of the British monarch doing it is in 1213. Monday money is traditionally given to the same number of men and women as the monarch's age. Bishop John said, I'm delighted that this year we are once again able to present the Monday money to people in person. It's always very moving to see such a large number of people receiving this token of appreciation from Her Majesty the Queen, who herself has given such extraordinary Christian service over so many years. Margaret, aged 78, has been verger at St Stephen's Church since she moved to Worcester 15 years ago, previously fulfilling a similar role in Morven. In total, she has been a church verger for over 30 years, including completing a four-year course and being secretary of the National Vergers Conference for 12 years. She said it is a lovely honour to receive the Maundy money. When I received the letter, I thought, wow, why me? I have really enjoyed being a verger and it's given me the opportunity to visit different cathedrals across the country. John, aged 83, was brought up as a Methodist and is a former preacher, working across different Methodist circuits for over 40 years. He was also diocesan secretary of the Diocese of Worcester for 10 years in the 1990s. I feel very honoured to have been chosen as a Monday money recipient, he said. We've got a few of the coins on display in our church that have been donated by previous recipients and it never crossed my mind that I would be nominated. Nearly a 100 penalty notices were issued to motorists who drove too close to cyclists. Operation SNAP is a police response to the increasing submissions of video and photographic evidence from members of the public in relation to witnessed driving of offences. As part of Operation SNAP, members of the public can report and submit digital footage showing potential traffic offences via a secure online form. According to data shared by Road Safety West Mercia on Twitter, 294 OPSNAP submissions were recorded throughout the month with 94 penalty notices issued to drivers. A tweet said, OPSNAP is an important part of our policing and is a great demonstration of partnership working. 63 of the 243 submissions in March were for close pass offences on cyclists. This will not be tolerated within West Mercia. The data has also shown that eight submissions came after road traffic collisions, 112 visits stroke advice letters were given out and 29 cases were dropped. Information submitted as part of Operation SNAP can range from driving dangerously or carelessly to overtaking on solid white lines, using a mobile phone while driving, ignoring traffic lights or dangerous driving around other road users such as horse riders and cyclists. According to the West Mercia Police website, 
submissions will be sent to West Mercia Police, where the evidence will be reviewed by road traffic office officers. Due to the large volume of submissions received each week, West Mercia Police are unable to update each submitter regarding the outcome of their allegation. However, all submissions are dealt with proactively to help reduce risk-taking and poor driving on our county's roads. Footage submitted is used to help educate other road users and to advise on case results. A tweet shared by Road Safety West Mercia shared information for drivers when overtaking cyclists. The tweet said, When travelling up to 30 miles an hour, one should leave at least 1.5 metres when overtaking people cycling and leave more space at other higher speeds. A Worcester dad, Tony Frobisher, has been selected to represent the West Midlands by carrying the Queen's baton through local communities in July when the Queen's relay comes to the West Midlands ahead of the 2022 Commonwealth Games. Tony and his wife, Rinny's triplet daughters, Jewel, Louisa and Miller, were born 16 weeks premature in 2006. Jewel died after 17 days and within a year, Miller was diagnosed with spastic quadriplegia cerebral palsy, meaning she required 24 hours care. Sadly, Miller died unexpectedly from a sepsis infection while abroad visiting family. The 53-year-old has dedicated his life to raising vital funds and awareness for Acorns after his family received lifeline support from the charity's hospice in Worcester. Mr Frobisher from Purdiswell said, It's taken a little bit of time to sink in. It's only after receiving messages of congratulations from friends and family that you realise how big a deal it is. I've never been nominated or selected for anything of this nature, so I was very proud and honoured just to be nominated. You don't do things like fundraising for recognition. You do it because you want to help raise awareness of charities like Acorns, as well as pushing yourself. So to actually get recognition at this level came as a real surprise, but it was a very welcome one. It's given me a huge boost. It motivates you to want to do more. Tony's role as a baton bearer will fulfil a promise he made to Miller when she died. He said, Whenever I've done fundraising, it's always been for a number of reasons. Obviously, the motivation is to try and raise as much as I can for charities, in particular Acorns, for their help and support. But also I made a promise to Miller when she passed away that I would always fundraise and do what I could to keep her memory alive. So it's a really special way to remember both Miller and Jewel. Tony will join the other West Midlands runners for the 22nd leg, Ju- July leg, sorry, which falls just five days before his 54th birthday. Acorns Children's Hospice provides specialist palliative care for children and young people across the West Midlands, as well as support for their families. OK, so now we're going to have a round-up of some sports stories, starting with Janet. Worcester Warriors went down swinging on Friday night as their European Challenge Cup adventure came to an end at the round of 16 stage in France against top 14 side Lyon. The visitors were up against it from the start against an in-form 
French outfit, but an early try for winger Tom Rowe gave them the perfect start, but Baptiste Couillard cancelled it out soon after. French international second row, Romain Tufinou, I'm sorry about that, whether that's the right pronunciation, put Lyon ahead after they stole the ball from a Worcester ruck. Lyon did appear fortunate to escape with only a yellow card for full-back Clement Laporte for a deliberate knock-on late in the first half, which could have led to a potential penetrant try as Howe was in a try-scoring position. But it did not fall Warriors' way, and Vivian Devim extended the lead shortly after the break. Ted Hill got on the end of an oil Morris kick soon after to keep Worcester in it before Billy Searle crossed to set up a grandstand finish. But Pierre-Louise Barassi scored straight after the restart for the hosts to end any doubts as Worcester exited Europe. It was a spirited performance from Steve Diamond's men, especially after their last outing was the dismal defeat to Newcastle at six ways in the Gallagher, Gallagher Premiership. And Diamond explained how his young team put pride back into the shirt. Today, a couple of errors made by ourselves made the difference. But I'm really proud of the performance, he said. The young lads stood up, Graham Kitchener led from the front with Ted Hill and Niall Arnett. Maybe the scoreline flattered Leon slightly, but that's the way it goes in Europe. I know that Gareth Simpson, Finn Smith, Harry Dool, Alex Hurl and the young lads will learn a lot from this experience. It was a closer game than the scoreline suggests. I asked the lads to put some pride back into the shirt and they did that in bucket loads, so I am delighted for them. We were resilient. We showed some real mental strength in our decision-making in attack and defence. We had few logistical difficulties getting here, but no one has moaned or whinged about it. We will regroup and we have wasps coming up next Saturday. And this is a football um, article. The final home game of Worcester City's Midlands Football League Premier Division campaign ended in rampant fashion as a Dimitri Brown brace helped them to a thumping five-love win over Utoxeter at Clanes Lane. The informed striker Brown scored twice in the first half to score his ninth and tenth goals since his return to the club just two months ago. Having secured their place in the Midland Football League, Premier Division last weekend, the pressure was off the visitors, Utoxeter, and it showed as City controlled the game from start to finish, and Aaron Roberts, Rice Taylor Randall and an own goal completed the scoring in the second half. The win means City finished their home campaign with 11 wins from the 18 home games and confirms a top four finish in the league table. City started on the front foot and took an early lead after just five minutes as Ben Tilbury's precise thorough ball played Brown inside the Utoxeter box and the striker slotted home past Jack Tolly. City were enjoying all the ball and playing some tidy football but their double 
that they doubled their lead in rather scrappy fashion as Brown's weak goalwood header deceived Tolly and bobbled over the line. The hosts were into control and Rice, Taylor, Randall had two great chances to reflect their dominance on the scoreline, but his two leaders both drifted wide of the mark. Archie Muirhead impressed in the first 45 minutes and within the restart had opportunities to get himself on the score sheet, but a curling effort and a snapshot from within the box both went wide. The hosts went off the boil early and in the second period, but Utoxeter weren't able to threaten and only had a Henry Wallace half-chance to show their efforts. The third goal did come just after the hour mark as a Jamie Smith corner found a towering Aaron Roberts at the back post and the defender-turned-striker powered home back across goal and into the far corner. That seemed to open the floodgates and an own goal in the 75th minute was followed by a Taylor Randall smashing home on the rebound after Matty Klitsch's effort came back off the post to complete the route. It has been, it, it has very much been an up and down season for Worcester Raiders, both on and off the pitch, it is fair to say. For what was their first proper season at their new home of Six Ways, things started brightly as they put themselves forwards as one of the promotion hopefuls. The co-management team of Chris Corns and Carl Gormley looked to be going well, but in October that all changed. The club parted ways with Corns, although many believe he was forced out during what was a dramatic couple of days. It proved to be a decision that did not go down well with the majority of the playing squad. Almost half the players at the club left as a result, including key names such as Carl Belmont, captain Danny Flowers, keeper Matt Gwynn and striker Kynan Evans. Former Worcester City and Droitwich Spa manager Mark Owen was quickly brought in as his replacement and over the next weeks, numerous new faces came in. Once the tricky period had been navigated, Raiders moved towards the top of the Hellenic League Division 1 and were then looking favourites to win the title. But after a poor start to the new year and the resurgence of Studley Town, they lost their grip at the summit and Studley took charge. That was then followed by even more groundbreaking news in January that Owen, after just three months, was stepping away from football for an indefinite period. It left Gormley in sole charge, and despite pushing Studley for most of the way, they fell further behind and eventually finished the league season in second, eight points behind the champions. But they're now at the playoff stage and they remain favourites to gain promotion to step five. But it is the inform <coughs> Pershaw Town that stand in their way in Saturday's playoff semi-final. And given the Plums have already turned Worcester over at six ways this year, Gormley's sole focus is on his own side. We know Pershaw are a great side and were under no illusions as to how good they are, said manager Gormley. They have been in a great run of form and Danny Jaynes has 
has gone in there, taken over and done a great job. They've done really well. So we have done our own work on them and we went over and watched them play Worcester City Senior Cup final last week. But to be honest, we will treat this just as any other game we play and try not to worry about them too much and focus on ourselves. It is a huge game for the club, not just the players, but for the supporters and helpers behind the scenes as well. With a few things that have gone on this season, it would have been easy for us to roll over, but everyone has dug in and now we're at a stage where we wanted to be. Now some cricket. Ed Barnard says the Worcestershire players are looking forward to having the missing ingredient back for matches at New Road. The all-rounder and his teammates are looking forward to reigniting that link on match days with members and supporters. After two years of various COVID-19 restrictions, Barnard stressed the importance of rebuilding that special bond with spectators. He said we were fortunate during the lockdown for COVID-19 to continue to play cricket at a short, shortened season in 2020 and a full one last summer. But the missing ingredient has not been able to interact with the Worcestershire members and the supporters. That's what we've really missed. Even when spectators were allowed back in, everyone had to keep their distance because of the bubbles the players were in and because of the pandemic. I can assure you the players have really missed that special bond and conversation and interaction with the members. You walk down the steps of the Graham Hick Pavilion for a practice net or a bowl on the day of a game and chatting with members is part and parcel of what playing for Worcestershire is all about. It might only sometimes be a good morning, but our loyal members mean so much to the lads and give us that extra spur. Many of them also travelled for the the opening game at Leicestershire and we appreciate their backing so much. It will be great to have that, that interaction back at New Road, starting with the game against Sussex and we hope we can deliver a season to remember. Worcestershire's first home fixture of 2022 sees the pairs taking on Sussex in the LV Insurance County Championship from Thursday this week. Barnard and his teammates will be hoping to bounce back from the frustrations of their season opener when Leicestershire denied them the victory their play deserved. The pairs were in full control and a convincing win was looking on the cards on day four with Leicestershire reeling, but Leicestershire opener Hazan Azad produced a stunning defensive century to ensure his side secured an unlikely draw. Sussex drew with Derbyshire last weekend, but did lose their league opener by 10 wickets at home to Nottinghamshire. Criminal damage was caused to a block of toilets in Droitwich. A spokesperson from West Mercia Police said, we are investigating criminal damage to a block of toilets in Droitwich Town Centre and are appealing for information. The toilet block was damaged between 7am and 12pm on April the 13th when graffiti was daubed on the back of the door. If you have any information about the damage, please let us know using the online Tell Us About form on our website www.westmercia.police.uk quoting incident reference 002249 Capital I, 1304, 2022. 
The country's largest poetry festival has been awarded £180,000 to fund volunteering opportunities across Herefordshire. Ledbury Poetry, which runs Ledbury Poetry Festival and a number of other events throughout the year, will now be able to support arts, cultural and in, uh, heritage projects sorry, throughout the county with the aim of developing new ways to volunteer. The funding is coming from the Department for Digital, Culture, Media and Sports, which is giving out via Arts Council England. A St George's Day concert will be taking place at the Worcester Baptist Church this coming weekend. Members of the Worcester Male Voice Choir will perform at 7pm on Saturday, April the 23rd, to raise funds for charity. The choir will sing a range of songs, including songs from musicals such as Miss Saigon, pop songs like the, from the, like the Beach Boys' I Get Around, and a sprinkling of national songs to celebrate St George's Day. The compare for the evening is Steve McKay, Chairman of Worcestershire County Council, and the guest performer is Ella Holland. A Jubilee family picnic is being held at Norton Parish Hall on Sunday, June the 5th. The picnic will be held between 1 and 6pm and entry is free. Some of the activities that will be taking place will include a bouncy castle, outdoor bar, games, music, stores and a gin bar. Event runners have said that fancy dress is welcome and that the picnic will feature a right royal review, which is a one-off performance from the Norton Theatre Group at eight at 3pm. A new High Sheriff for Worcestershire has taken up his role. Andrew Manning-Cox has taken over from Richard Amphlett in what is the oldest secular office in the country after the monarchy dating back to before the Norman Conquest. His formal appointment, the first before an audience in public for three years, took place on April the 13th at Shire Hall, where he made his declaration before the President of the Family Division, the Right Honourable Sir Andrew McFarlane. The role is voluntary and today is largely ceremonial, but carries the status of being the Queen's highest judicial officer in the county and involves a mix of ceremonial, charitable and community functions. Andrew Manning-Cox said, I am very honoured to be invited to take up the office of High Sheriff and am looking forward to immersing myself in all the valuable work going on across Worcestershire. Whether, whether carried out by our emergency and health services or the increasingly virtual charity sector. My year of office also provides the opportunity to raise funds for the High Sheriff's Charity within the Worcestershire Community Foundation, which does so much to support families and individuals across the county. Married with two adult children, Andrew Manning-Cox has lived in South Worcestershire for more than 40 years and he said his time as High Sheriff would enable him to learn more about the needs of the whole county and promote the achievements and aspirations of so many people whose efforts deserve more recognition. He qualified as a solicitor in 1980 and became a partner in 1985 at leading lawyers Rag & Co LLP, now known as international law, law firm Growling, WLG, brackets UK, LLP. 
He retired in 2018 from the partnership, but has kept busy in a variety of roles across Worcestershire. He is a non-executive director at leading Midlands law firm Thursfield Solicitors and is also on the board of Worcestershire County Cricket Club. He is chairman of Sanctuary Group, one of the UK's largest housing and care-providing charities. The annual celebration of the life and music of Worcestershire's most famous composer will return to the county in early summer. Organisers of the Elgar Festival have announced the dates for the 2022 Platinum Jubilee event, which will take place between Friday June 3rd and Sunday June 5th. The festival, which was launched in 2018, was established by decree of Worcestershire, sorry, Worcester City Council and is traditionally held on the weekend closest to Elgar's birthday, the 2nd of June, 1857. This year's festival will combine orchestral, chamber, vocal and choral concerts with exhibits and lectures to celebrate the life and music of Sir Edward Elgar at various venues in Worcestershire. Entitled Elgar for Everyone, the festival brings together an array of internationally renowned guest artists. Artistic director Kenneth Wood said, We are thrilled to announce the dates for this year's Elgar Festival and what better way to commemorate the Platinum Jubilee of Her Majesty the Queen than with a weekend of the best of British music played in the heart of Elgar country. From the soulful resonance of a great string orchestra to the purity of a professional chamber choir, from the intimacy a song recital to the grandeur of the gala from tangos to tea parties the 2022 jubilee elgar festival promises to be a once in a lifetime celebration of both music and monarch we look forward to welcoming you for a full list of events costs and booking information please visit elgarfestival.org now, some important news about bus timetable changes. Bus routes, uh, some bus routes were facing the axe, but are set to keep running for the next three months. <clears throat> Following discussions with First Bus, Worcestershire County Council has agreed the 31, 32 and 37 bus services will continue as normal for the next three months. They were going to change the 31 and 31A. Uh, they were going to discontinue that one, uh, and but continue to provide a daytime service. Number 32, changes are being made to the Monday to Friday and Saturday timetables. Peak time journeys to and from Kemsey and Banal will remain. Service 37 was due to be discontinued. Discussions are in place with the County Council to provide a daytime service. The three services cover Henwick Park via St John's and the University, Worcester St Peter's, Batten Hall via Bath Road and Kemsey and Worcester Beverley via Northwick. A spokesperson for Worcestershire County Council said we are currently in discussions with First Bus regarding changes to some of their bus services in the county. We have agreed the 31, 32 and 37 services 
will continue as normal for the next three months and are continuing to explore options with First Bus for the future. First Bus uh, Worcester has confirmed its 144 service, which runs from Worcester, Droitwich, Bromsgrove and Catshill to Birmingham, will now terminate at Catshill from Sunday the 1st of May. It means the service will now no longer run between Catshill and Birmingham. Worcestershire Trading Standards are warning residents to be aware of suspicious cold callers. In 2021, £25.8 million was reported to be lost to doorstep crime and 5,588 incidents were reported to Trading Standards. Doorstep crime can affect anyone, but often elderly and vulnerable people are targeted by rogue traders, offering home improvements, services or by bogus callers who claim to be from the council, police, health carers, market researchers or utility and phone companies. Half of the reported victims of doorstep crime in 2021 were over 60. Such callers may offer services such as window and gutter cleaning, path and driveway repairs, roofing or building work, gardening and tree lopping, or even persuade residents that they must come inside their homes to check something. Simon Wilkes, head of Worcestershire Regulatory Services, said we are working hard to make Worcestershire a no-go area for those that prey on the elderly and vulnerable. Never agree on the doorstep to have work carried out and don't be tricked into thinking you're getting a good deal in return for for payment in cash or an immediate start to work. If you're unsure about a cold caller, you should ask them to make an appointment to come back when a friend or family member can be with you. A care home manager has retired this week after a quarter of a century with the same company. Jill Pierce has worked in Sanctuary Cares Homes for more than 25 years and joined Regent Residential Care Home in St John's 10 years ago. She is retiring aged 70 and says she has some wonderful memories and lots of plans to keep her busy. A carer for her 95-year-old father, she said her passion has always been enriching the lives of her residents. I just love people, she said. You do everything you possibly can for every resident. You try to help them keep their independence. It's about dignity, love and honesty. Jill wasn't always sure she had the confidence to progress to home manager because of her dyslexia, but has worked extra hard not to let it stand in her way. Being dyslexic should never stop you because it's what's in your heart that's important when working in care, she said. Jill praised the staff at Regent, some of whom have also worked there for over 10 years. She said when people come to Regent, they say there's a special feeling when you walk in. Even newer staff say they feel like they've been here forever and that is down to the team. You want the best for your residents. We work as a team and we pull together with everything. Knowing how much Jill will miss Regent, her husband Tony and her family, which includes five grandchildren, have planned an action-packed year. There is a trip away every month and a lot of new experiences, including Jill's first ever music festival, which will double up as her first camping trip. 
These last three years have been very dramatic ones. First, we had the pandemic, during which we saw terrible drama of suffering and death, pain and anxiety. Then war broke out in Europe, the biggest conflict since the Second World War, initiating a drama characterised by aggression and violence, cruelty and killing. On Good Friday, a different drama was acted out in Cathedral Square, watched by a large number of people. What has been referred to as the greatest drama ever, the drama of God's for you and me, which led Jesus to die on the cross, was witnessed by a large number of people in glorious sunshine. There was hardly a dry eye in the neighbourhood as the passion and death and resurrection of Jesus were brought alive in a very striking manner. Good Friday is normally marked in Worcester by a walk witness by people from various Christian communities, but most of the action takes place in the cathedral and churches. This year it was brought to the public square. Some people remarked that it was odd to see Jesus crucified outside Starbucks and Five Guys. One wag tweeted a picture of the latter with the five replaced by twelve, a reference to Jesus' twelve apostles. In fact, this was authentic, as the original events of Good Friday took place in full view of everyone, with the hustle and bustle of everyday life going on, on alongside it. Its commemoration deserves to be taken outside for all to see. This drama contains all the same ingredients of suffering and death, pain and anxiety, aggression and violence, cruelty and killing referred to above. At its heart, though, is love, the great love of God. The resurrection at its conclusion makes clear that God's love will have the last word over suffering and death. That is the Christian hope, that love will win. The retiring president of Worcester Operatic and Dramatic Society has handed the title over after three years. Anne Husnip has been president for the last three years, completing a longer term in office due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the closure of theatres. She has passed the role on to Mike Astles, who has been a member of WADS for 35 years. A spokesman for WADS said, Mike is very excited to be president at a time when the theatre is coming back to life, as well as celebrating the Society's 130th anniversary this year. He has been a member of WADS for 35 years, although he has never performed on stage. Mike's skills are concentrated more on being behind stage. He has turned his hand to lighting and as stage manager, as well as being an active committee member for over 12 years. He has looked after the upkeep of the premises at St Mary's Hall as hall manager, health and safety officer and production manager, as well as supporting many other theatre groups locally backstage. He is looking forward to presiding over our forthcoming production of Kips, the new Half a Sixpence musical, next week at the Swan Theatre. Mike will be seen welcoming the audiences. Kips is being staged after two years of waiting, following lockdown four weeks before the opening night in 2020. They have a cast of wonderful actors, singers and dancers who are bringing to life this fabulous musical. 
Wads will be putting their production of Kips on stage from Tuesday the 26th to Saturday the 30th of April. Performances begin at 7.30pm each day and on Saturday there will be a matinee at 2.30. Students can purchase half-price tickets for the Tuesday and Wednesday performances and as you will have heard earlier in the What's On, tickets can be purchased from the box office 01905 611427. Kipps follows the story of Arthur Kipps, an orphan and an overworked draper's assistant. Um, lo- local shoppers say they are devastated at the prospect of losing a shop that has traded in a town for more than 30 years. Grace Cards and Books in St Andrew's Square Shopping Centre, Droitwich, is set to close its doors on Saturday, April the 30th. It hit the headlines after the owners won an appeal after racking up a £44,000 court bill having breached the rules during the second lockdown in November 2020 and on two occasions in February and March last year. Store owners Lydia and Alasdair Walker-Cox were busy with customers making the most of the final month of trading and a half-price sale yesterday. The modest shop was full to overflowing with shoppers trying to get their hands on the best deals. Mrs Walker-Cox said, Hopefully it will have a big impact and hopefully we will be missed. We are part of the furniture in Droitwich. The local community was very sad. Another independent retailer is closing down. Mrs Walker-Cox said independent stores like Grace's Cards and Books cannot compete with online shopping. Independents aren't really replaced. In towns like ours, once an independent store goes, they don't usually come back. Steve Vernham and Sherry Vernham, who were shopping for cards, said they were devastated about the closure of the store. The couple have been coming in here into this store for the past 20 years. Mr Burnham said, it's quite devastating. They've battled through Covid and they won that case. It's going to be a well-missed shop. It is everything and there is nowhere like this in Droitwich. The couple heard about the store closure on Facebook. We saw it on Facebook and I thought it was Covid-19 all over again. But we felt upset. A lot of the neighbourhood and family used the shop too. Look at the amount of shops in the precinct that have closed and it's just been closure after closure. John Baker has been a loyal customer for decades and found the news very upsetting. Mr Baker said, I've been coming here since I was 10 when the store opened. I come and see them every single day if I can. They are like family to me. Popping into the store is a key part of Mr Baker's daily routine that consists of heading into town, visiting a couple of shops and having lunch in the town centre before he goes home. Mr Baker enjoys the routine and chatting with the card owners every day. A plan to build an apartment building in the car park of a city centre office block has been put forward. The proposals would see a new three-storey building with six flats built behind former offices in Fourgate Street, replacing earlier plans to build a four-storey block with seven apartments. The former office building is set to be converted into 13 flats as part of separate plans by the same developer, Fourgate Regeneration, which could soon be joined by more flats in the new smaller building facing Farrier Street. 
was the City Council's planning committee approved an application in November last year that allowed for a four-storey building to be built to house seven apartments on the rear car park of the empty Grade 2 listed former solicitor's office. The ground floor unit of the listed building in Fourgate Street, which used to be home to offices but has been empty for more than two years following Thursfield solicitors relocating um, nearby to the tithing, would remain in place. The one-bedroom apartments would range in size from slightly over 37 square metres to 41 square metres. A planning statement by Nick Carroll Architects on behalf of Fourgate Regeneration said the redesigned apartment building should be supported. We are confident of Council supporting the redesigned building, as was agreed at pre-planning. The building is smaller in massing and scale, and it relates to the existing neighbouring properties, it said. Furthermore, it reinforces the frontage to Farrier Street and makes the street along with natural surveillance for safety at night. The urban design credentials are undeniable. There is no effect on the appearance of the listed building, which remains visible from Farrier Street. The proposed building is not a copy but a modern expression employing the golden triangle proportion for fenestration prevalent in Georgian architecture. The design is therefore in keeping with surrounding properties. The form is simple to reflect coach house style buildings. There would have existed a coach house within this plot historically. The proposal can be viewed via the planning section of Worcester City Council's website. The application number is 22-00254-FUL and public consultation ends on May the 8th. Oliver Carpenter hit on the idea for the Worcester plinth after walking past the screenhouse for years and thought something could be done with the space. Mr Carpenter said... Working with the city's artists and arts organisations, we want to develop something similar to the fourth plinth in Trafalgar Square, a location to say something about all that is marvellous in our city and bring big art to our riverside. We want it to be visible all along the riverside, from the arches to the bridge and the cathedral. The people behind the Worcester Plinth are not-for-profit Jigsaw Community Festivals, which has provided music and arts festivals across Worcestershire since 2009. The team consists of five volunteers and an increasing number of partners. It was built in 1902 to supplement the water-generated power produced at Poke Mills from 1894. As demand grew, this was itself replaced by a new steel-framed power station on the same site in 1945, which finally closed in 1976, and it has stood empty ever since. The Worcester Plinth team is encouraging all kinds of responses for the space from a range of artistic disciplines. These could include work that is designed for the space, as well as borrowed work from new and existing artists. Mr Carpenter said, we have a fantastic first work of art which will be installed very soon and are beginning to have conversations with a range of artists both locally and regionally. If you have an idea that you want to submit to the Worcester Plinth team, you can do so by visiting their website. 
And finally, one last rather sad item. Three Rottweilers that were re- removed from a property in Egdon after a toddler died from injuries related to a dog attack have been put to sleep. The two-year-old sustained serious injuries at his home in Egdon on Monday, March the 28th and was in cardiac arrest. The dogs were previously being securely housed by West Mercia Police after the incident whilst investigations were ongoing. His family began to transport him to the hospital themselves but stopped at Worcester Countryside Centre en route on the advice of the ambulance service. He was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital before being transferred to Birmingham Children's Hospital the same day. West Mercy Police announced that the boy had died from his injuries in a statement issued on Wednesday, March the 30th, outside of the station in Worcester on Castle Street. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, I can confirm that the three dogs which were seized seized as part of the investigation into the dog attack in Egdon have now been put to sleep. Other than that, there are no updates at the moment. There have been no arrests and the investigation is ongoing. Well, that brings us to the end of the news and I'm just going to uh, conclude it with the thought for the day which is taken from St Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 1 to 6. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, mother Mary the mother of James and Solomon, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. So... That brings us to the end of this week's recording. Time is running out, has run out. So it just remains for me, Elizabeth Hill, to thank Alex Gwynn, Kate Hudman, Johnny Goodwin (laughs) and Sue Perry to sign off and hope you all have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And now the deaths which have been announced in the last week. John Azopardi passed away the 2nd of January. His funeral will be at, uh, or will have taken place actually at Worcester Crematorium on the 19th of April. Um, inquiries can be made, care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, 5456 Barbourne Road, Worcester, WR11JA. And donations were requested for the British Heart Foundation. Also, a funeral will have taken place of Nancy Faulkner, who passed away on the 24th of March. Her service uh, was at Vale Crematorium on the 20th of April, and donations to the Stroke Association or Worcester Cathedral uh, requested, and uh, it's Jackson Family Funeral Directors there too. Um, The funeral of June Oliver of Norton um, will have taken place on Friday the 22nd of April and June passed away on the 4th of April. 
donations, if if desired, for the British Heart Foundation could be sent to E.J. Gumry and Son, 6870, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Still to take place, Sybil Irene Miller, uh, who passed away on the 23rd of March. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 26th of April at 10.45am. Uh, donations for Acorns Children's Hospice Trust or St Richard's Hospice can be left on the collection plate or sent to EJ Gumrain's son. Details as before. Roger Wallace passed away the 28th of March. Funeral at Worcester Crematorium on the 28th of April at 1 o'clock. Um, donations for the Stroke Association and again it's Jackson Family Funeral Directors there. Uh, Pamela Marjorie Dale, née Mountford, passed away on the 6th of April. Her funeral service will be at St Martin's Church, London Road on Tuesday the 3rd of May at 11.15am followed by cremation. Donations for St Martin's Church or the British Heart Foundation can be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors Pershaw, WR10 1HZ, uh, telephone 01386 <coughs> Mole Braithwaite Maria uh, passed away on the 2nd of April. She studied at the Royal Academy of Music and was a dramatic soprano um, at the Opera House, uh, both in this country and abroad. Uh, her funeral service will take place on the 4th of May at 3.15pm at Aswood Road Crematorium, uh, WR38HA. Um, there's no information about funeral directors, flowers or donations there. Derek Misters, uh, part of Misters Brothers Limited, who I believe are builders, passed away on the 13th of April. Uh, his funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 4th of May at 11.30am. Donations for the Midland Air Ambulance can be left at the crematorium or, or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services uh, phone number is 01905-748811. And finally, Iris Vera Twinborough passed away on the 30th of March. Funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on the 9th of May at 2.30pm. Donations can be made to Acorns Children's Hospice. Inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors 01905-22892. And thoughts and prayers go to all of those who have lost loved ones recently. <laughs> 